Welcome, bienvenidos, uh, bienvenidos a todos. Welcome to everyone who is listening to a conversation that I, Bianca Primo, at uh, Florida International University, am going to have with my uh, very esteemed colleague, Ocasio Tovo, whose book, Progressive Mothers, Better Babies, Race, Public Health, and the State in Brazil from 1850 to 1945, appeared in 2016 with the University of Texas Press. It's a real honor to be having this conversation uh, with you, Okezi, about your book. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, your expertise. You're the perfect person to uh, uh, initiate this conversation with me uh, about my book, this research, and how it relates to the history of childhood. I'm so uh, delighted you. to have this conversation. Uh, co colleagues, though we are at the same institution, these are too rare. And uh, so uh, I can't wait to launch in and begin by uh, inviting you to talk about the journey. Um, th how did you end up writing this book? What, wh what inspired you uh, to focus on the questions of maternalism, institutions, child rearing, better baby contests, all of the wonderful things that are in this book? So this book actually um, is the result of kind of many years of thinking through different angles on this topic. So my first response is that, in fact, this book, as it appeared in print, has evolved from um, a number of other kind of side uh, interests that I had um, over a period of years. So I really began with an interest in um, Afro-Brazilian women and their children uh, in the era of abolition in, in, in Brazil. So I was really interested in what possibilities women had for constructing their family life after abolition. Was that different from the um, period of, of slavery in Brazil? Uh, what changes were initiated kind of in their perhaps um, work experiences that would lead to uh, new possibilities for how they raised their children? And then I was also, um, I connected that just uh, in that brief overview to the question of labor, because as you will well know, in Brazil and a lot of places in Latin America, black women are so closely associated with child rearing labor, uh, the kind of labor obviously that women performed um, um, in bondage, right? And the kind of labor that many women perform to this day, right? So it's a racialized occupation uh, when we think about child rearing as um, a labor, a uh, form of labor, not just uh, rearing of one's own children. So putting those two things together, I thought it was very uh, potentially rich uh, to think about how women um, did or did not have new possibilities for constructing their family life um, in ways of their own choosing in the post-abolition period and what that meant certainly for um, the numbers of women in the state that I study, which is Bahia in the northeast of Brazil what that meant for women who overwhelmingly worked in households as um, child care providers and, and kind of reared children, both um, those that they birthed and also children that they reared or helped to rear um, in their um, work lives for their livelihood. So I said this book has kind of evolved from a number of interests. That's where I started. And um, at that time, I think I wasn't as cognizant as I became to how politicized the question of mm -hmm. um, how women raise children was during this period. So obviously we can look to our um, um, 
contemporary lives and context and know that the questions of, of mothers and, and, and children are highly political, right? Yeah. And so one thing that was clear to me that this has always been the case, or, or certainly from the 19th century forward, and that these initial interests that I have could open much larger, broader questions about Brazil's political history and also about state building in Brazil, as you said a moment ago, particularly through institutions mm -hmm. uh, geared towards social uh, assistance um, in the 19th century and moving over into the 20th century. So that's the initial direction that the research took. And then I became very interested in the question of health. Mm. So I would say that health was probably the third component mm -hmm. that came to me after an interest in black women, after an interest in, in children, and uh, an interest in um, how states build institutions that serve families. Um, then I became really interested in health and medicine. And um, that's for a few different reasons that I think will be familiar to all of those who have um, similar interests. And the first is an obvious one, right? So I was really interested in health and medicine, because obviously, when we're, in, when we're talking about slavery, when we're talking about questions of inequalities, of poverty, of um, the kind of transition from slavery to freedom, or even, as I said, just inequalities in, in general, even with uh, in the, into the 20th century, who has access to health care, right? right? What kind of access they have to health care are deeply consequential mm. questions, right? Those are life or death um, questions for real people's lives. So I was really interested in, in health and medicine for that very obvious reason. And um, then I was really interested in, and this is something I think we'll, we'll continue to, to talk about through this conversation. I know it relates a lot to the, the work that you've done and that you're working on. Um, in future projects, I was really interested in the ways that health and medicine kind of construct um, people's social experiences, right? Um, so that is the way that health and medicine kind of help to construct how we understand the body and differences mm -hmm. between people. Uh, and that's both in terms of or in terms of gender, in terms of race, and certainly in terms of age. Mm -hmm. And so I was interested in, in the ways that um, medicine helps to define those parameters, but also the ways in which medicine is influenced by the parameters, those parameters that come from politics and, and social relations and culture and, and all kinds of other avenues in which we, um, our human societies go about differentiating um, members and, and defining kind of the boundaries of citizenship. Mm. So health and medicine kind of came to the fore for that reason as well. And then the third and, and kind of final reason I became interested in health, which is related, is that for this period and in this book, we really see childhood and probably more specifically babyhood emerging in Brazil as a kind of distinctive stage of life. Right? Right? Yes, absolutely. Um, so childhood and, and babyhood... Um, I think are probably 19th century phenomena. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and certainly for Latin America, I think they're 19th century phenomena. And um, we see kind of babyhood emerging as um, a distinct stage of life that um, warrants public attention, right? And attention from the state because of the vulnerabilities, obviously, of the very young. And also because um, in the 19th century in Brazil and in a, a number of places around the globe, new ideas started to emerge about um, the ways in which 
childhood or babyhood kind of reflects society at large, right? Mm-hmm. Society's potential can kind of be read um, through uh, the life experiences, the, the chances at life, and also the quality of life of its uh, of a nation's kind of youngest um, residents, mm-hmm. right? Youngest citizens, if we want to use that terminology. Um, so I think that Health and medicine um, became really central to the ways that I wanted to explore those earlier questions about family life, about women and their children, and about the ways that um, states, or at least this state, went about constructing new institutions in this new context. That's totally fascinating. What a great layered um, answer. If I uh, could just you know follow up with something, I there's so, there's a lot to follow up there. As a newcomer to uh, the more modern periods of Latin American history, so much of this resonates with mm. my own. Uh, wide-eyed and kind of uninformed uh, first glances at sources mm-hmm. where babies are are prominent everywhere mm-hmm. and fat babies yeah, and yeah. healthy babies and yeah. right and that they 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 seem to encapsulate um, the nation um, so much uh, in its uh, multiple forms. I, I'm thinking a lot about how listeners who might be more familiar with European or mm-hmm. uh, US uh, histories of childhood mm-hmm. um, might understand our conversation. Yeah. And I wonder if um, they often um, are talking about the nation, but it's a little bit more invisible. I, that may, may, may not be as true. I don't want to speak too broadly for mm-hmm. any historiography, but we're so uh, interested in that and it's so obvious to us. And I wonder if, if you had um, comments a, a, around that about yeah. the uh, a degree of Brazilianness and Brazilianness in Bahia which is a very special um, region within Brazil that that um, you know in some ways stands in for all of Brazil right so I think in uh, my first thought is I want to revise something I said a moment ago about childhood and babyhood emerging in the 19th century right let me clarify what I mean by that uh, because I think it helps to answer this question that you just posed so what I want to say is a particular version of childhood and babyhood emerged in the 19th century, and it's very much connected to nation. Mm-hmm. So that is to say, before this period, obviously, and, and um, you're one of the pioneers of this Ugh. field, Bianca, when it comes to history of childhood uh, in Latin America, obviously there were other ways of thinking about the importance of children that I think we can broadly say come from a, a more... Uh, morality-centered, right, or kind of religious way of thinking about the the impact of um, uh, children's well-being on society at large. But what I want to say is that in the 19th century, just at the moment that Latin American nations are building states, independent states, for the first time, and um, in Brazil's case, this process is happening late in the 19th century, not at the dawn of the 19th century, as um, happened in most of Spanish America. Um, Those kind of ideas were being solidified in a context in which new institutions were being built, institutions that had never existed before, right? And um, it was very much in public discourse, the question of what kinds of nations are possible on this side of the Atlantic, right? What kinds of um, constraints do Latin American nations have that might... um, be different from from what um, European or Latin American European 
um, nations were um, facing at that time. What does it mean for a nation to be just a few decades old compared yeah. to you know nations that um, were, were um, established enough to have empires by the, the 19th century? So uh, I, I think that the biggest distinction perhaps then and, and for those who are more familiar with um, um, the European context is that the process of building not only state institutions, but kind of a national identity or a national character bears a lot upon um, the ways that uh, these kinds of programs for women's and children's health and the experiences that families had in them would play out. Oh, yeah. Um, and what the stakes were for those who were designing and promoting the idea of having social institutions, again, not for the first time. There are plenty of social institutions that existed in the um, colonial period that tended to be, again, more closely connected with um, religious institutions, right? Not not state institutions in the same way. So as they're becoming secular, the the same way that many functions of the state are becoming secular um, in the the 19th century, here's another example of that. And so the, the stakes are, are high, I think, um, for those who thought in uh, political terms uh, for Latin American um, politics and also certainly for their economies, right? What does it mean when our um, infant mortality rate is twice what some um, nations yeah. in, in Europe can can um, boast in uh, at the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th? And how does that factor into what we can produce um, economically mm-hmm. and become a nation on par with with these others? So I think this, the stakes are, are very high in that sense, even if... Um, certainly in the Brazilian case, there wasn't an immediate uh, war that sparked a concern over children as um, has, you know, uh, historians of um, Europe and, and even uh, of the United States can, can point to. Yeah, that's yeah. fast. I think that's fascinating to, um, to also the very, the relative youth of Brazil mm-hmm. as a, as a nation, uh, even in, within Latin America as a whole, mm-hmm. Uh, given its own uh, uh, somewhat unique trajectory mm-hmm. uh, across the nineteenth century, um, so I, I, I'm I guarantee people are are rushing to get your book already. Ah. <laughs> but I I wonder if you could just summarize for the listeners what yeah. the main argument of sure. progressive mothers better babies is. So the book hopefully <laughs> successfully argues a few things. <laughs> But they all come down to one major issue, right? And that is that maternalism, or that is um, the politics of maternity, studied through this period from the end of slavery to um, basically the middle point of the the 20th century, reveal shifting ideas about race, about poverty, about health, and about national identity in Brazil. Now, I don't list gender there because maternal politics itself is gendered, right? So that if we look at um, um, the politics, the institutions, the the circulating ideas, the conflicts um, around motherhood and um, the, the health and well-being of women and children during this period, we can understand a lot about how this nation was developing, um, even from uh, the case study of Bahia in the in the northeast of Brazil, uh, we can understand a lot uh, uh, about these very uh, broader processes. And I also think that um, we understand 
better how inequalities become institutionalized um, in Brazil. And that's not to say that, um, you know, one thing I'm very careful about when I talk about maternal politics um, and uh, women's and children's health and, and welfare during this period is that all of these initiatives are good things. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> these are life-saving measures mm-hmm. um, that the book discusses. So, so it's not to um, denigrate uh, the, the emergence of specialized care yeah. um, for mothers and children, but rather to, to talk about um, the particular place where it's po- was possible in the 19th and 20th century to incorporate um, women of African descent and on what terms, mm-hmm. right? And their their children and their kind of families in a, in a broader sense. So that I, I think we very much can understand um, again in a in a nation that. Um, different from the United States, for example, in the same period, didn't have as explicit a discourse about race. We can understand how um, racialized inequalities get structured through institutions. And so that's one of the main um, arguments that I I hope the the book successfully argues, Um, as well as the ways that, again, because I have this deep interest in in, in health and medicine, that we can take a little bit of a step back in um, um, presuming that life stages are only readable through the medical or or scientific side and also think about the ways that cultural politics, um, that the the politics of kind of nation making bear upon even how um, scientific institutions uh, like the the medical community conceive of different sectors of the society and where they fit. And so yeah. that, that's uh, that, I think those are the overarching. Those big are arguments. things I did learn. I learned yeah. uh, from your book, and I um, just an observation mm-hmm. that as you're talking, it's so fascinating to me that. Um, there is a kind of two different trajectories uh, built into the narratives of medical history versus the history of childhood. Mm-hmm. And that is to say that you're uh, arguing against the um, positivism built oh. into the history of medicine. But in the history of childhood overall, there is this sense that there's something that's been lost with modernity. Mm. Um, And, you know, you're scrambling both of those uh, trajectories in Mm. a really meaningful way that I think um, is is very helpful. So uh, moving on to um, what you believe uh, is needed. Do you read books and wish that uh, (laughs) they... Uh, you know, knew more about um, something that you uncovered in your book? I, I read books and wish that I knew more <laughs> about things that I'm interested in. I'm not reading anyone's book and, and <laughs> suggesting that they should be doing, you know, more than what they did because I know how difficult that process is. Um, but I, I would say that um, I kind of on my wish list uh, of things I'd like to see develop um, in this field. Um, I'd like to see more studies that really take this intersectional approach. Um, And that is to say that 
I would like for us in, in Brazilian history, or maybe in Latin American history more broadly, when we think of um, the early 20th century in particular, we kind of lose some of the complexity that um, our colleagues who study colonial period and for Brazil, the imperial period of the 19th century, have been able to uncover. And that is in thinking about that really um, muddy intersection between race and gender and class and how um, those factors kind of thought about together rather than separately, Mm -hmm. right, really provide a lot of insight, again, as I said before, into how um, inequalities become embedded. And not just inequalities, privileges too, right? Right. So I I would like to see, um, I would love to for more... Um, research to take that approach uh, again and for the history of um, peoples of African descent, women of African descent and for the history of childhood. It'd be great to see the history of childhood expanded <laughs> in general um, in uh, Brazilian historiography. Um, I, there is a really great trend in um, U.S. history right now in which a number of scholars are really theorizing and, and taking seriously a history of black girlhood. Yeah. And we really don't have that yet for um, Brazilian history. I can think of just a couple of scholars who have worked on, um, again, in the in the more modern period, so that is um, 19th or 20th century, um, black girlhood. And I, I would love to see that, um, that develop. I think that has a, a lot to offer, again, because I think it's that messy kind of intersection where we're, we're able to um, understand these uh, broader questions of um, inequality and privilege and power structure structure is better. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, and this again, maybe this is a little bit of self-critique, um, but I would love to see, um, uh, read more studies of Brazil that open questions of, um, and similar to what I said about black girlhood, open questions of black womanhood that are not only about maternity. Oh, that's really important. Yeah. Um, and so maternity and its associated professions, which mm-hmm. I can say is what emerges in, in my own research. So um, I'd love to see um, some studies that look at um, black womanhood that take uh, 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 maybe a labor approach, again, that's not labor connected um, to these more traditional um, um, occupations and professions, uh, as well as histories that, that think about women's everyday lives and their kind of intimate relations and, and sexuality and other things that don't have to be directly tied to their to their roles as as mothers so or as caregivers or as caregivers yes. right so compelling yeah. how you began with labor and yeah. labor has such a double meaning in your book exactly you never lose sight of of uh the w- domestic uh work performed by black women as labor yeah um but you also don't lose uh, fa- a light sight of the fact that the perception for the privileged in Bahia was that it was intimacy. Yeah. That it somehow yeah. escaped the regular uh, categories of work. Right. And right. so there was these very different lived experiences Absolutely. of the same acts um, depending on the social position of the actors. Mm-hmm. And that is... The rearing of children right, can right. look either like labor or love, depending on what side exactly, you're on, or they could exactly. look like both to this to different people, but in different measure. That's right. And absolutely. So I, you know, uh, that uh, the labor aspect I think comes through um, as absolutely critical and something that the history of childhood um, can can contend with really essentially. Yeah. Um, what's next for you? 
Well, I have a, a project that is very much in its infancy. Um, that is a very nascent project at this point uh, um, that I continue with my interest in health and, and um, kind of everyday people's experiences uh, and uh, these kind of questions of uh, inequality and privilege. But I'd really like to take a closer look for the next major project at mental health oh. um, in Brazil over the course of the 20th century. And I'm just kind of interested in I'm thinking about um, how um, mental health services developed and, and who they served. And again, kind of the, the approach I took in the first book, what are some of the implications or, um, um, you know, what's behind the thinking behind uh, how certain um, behaviors or states of being get categorized. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's something that uh, I'm hoping to to move forward with without losing, of course, my interest in women of children. They'll be mm-hmm. women and children. They'll be there too. I bet. So, and I yeah. bet, you know, thinking about child development specialists yeah, and the history yeah. of child psychology. Exactly. I know I'll be looking to your future work to see if I see some of that. And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening are. Um, okay, Z, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.